One of the songs we were singing talked about uh, what it's like to walk with the Lord. Did you feel like you were walking with the Lord today? Beautiful experience today. And then we get to participate in something that's described here in Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Who are they overcoming? The adversary, right? Overcoming by the blood of the Lamb. We've been studying about the Lamb, haven't we? And by the word of their testimony. And then the next part's interesting. And they did not love their lives to the death. So it's a there's a big impact on us when we study about Jesus and then we share what we've learned. We give a testimony of a statement believing in what we've heard. So today we w- uh, this evening we want to open it up for two things. <laughs> One is, if you would like to share what the Lord has spoken to your heart in the days of our retreat here, through either the messages, or maybe you've heard some things in your small group meetings, or even in just uh, personal conversations, as you've talked about things, maybe some things have some new insights, some fresh perspectives of the grace of God have come to you. And you'd like to just give expression to it because of what the scripture says here and uh, the moving of God in your heart tonight. Another thing, though, is we do have our speakers here and uh, they're willing to take questions. You may have been thinking about things and maybe you have some questions that have come to your mind as you are trying to uh, resolve uh, and really um, digest what we've heard and, and what we've uh, been able to enjoy. Um, remember to keep things uh, fairly brief, to the point, uh, so that as many as wish to can participate. But let's pray uh, just before we get into that. Father, your presence is such a delight. The Sabbath has been beautiful. Uh, We so much appreciate the sunshine with the sunrise that many got to enjoy and then the sun setting and and everything in between. We thank you that as we've come into your presence, just the way you always are, you blessed us again. Spoke to our hearts. You encouraged us. You challenged us. And you put your arms around us. It's so true that the more we get to know you, the more we see in you to respect and to admire and to love. As we gather around you again this evening. 
we want to express to you how much it means to us what you've given us here. We want to affirm among ourselves here in this group that you are so gracious, so generous in, in pouring out a blessing of understanding and knowledge. We sense there's power in all of this, your power, that is not limited to camp. It's a power that can go with us wherever we are. I rather think that's what Mary learned when she got to that seventh time. And she finally learned that even when Jesus wasn't in town, she had your love, Father. She had the courage and the assurance that could take her anywhere, even back home. How precious you are to us now. And we don't want our experience to be limited to camp, to retreats. We want your presence with us as we go forward, as we advance the kingdom of God. But we won't be prepared fully to go out unless we share together and speak of your goodness here. So we invite your prompting. We invite the Spirit's encouragement and the words that he can provide and the loving atmosphere that's needed for healing and for growing. And so thank you in advance for the blessings we can have tonight here in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you would like to come up and give a little response of telling about your experience and what something that you appreciate about what the Lord's done for you here. Um, come up. We'd like to have you use the microphone so everybody can hear. Fine. Oh, here we have someone we might make an exception for because we don't have a ramp. I was really under conviction last night with... Um, um, Brother, Brother Bill's um, uh, sermon on corporate repentance. And I just, I could see for myself that I have really, um, I've really had the attitude of an airling uh, in that I've prepared myself for, I've, um, uh, I've, I've just not really taken on uh, my full responsibility in the fellowship of believers that I'm a part of. And it really, you know, the words, um, my brother's keeper, really, um, really ring true for me that I, I've not been my brother's keeper. I've not really, I've not really uh, pulled in the plow um, in the... Uh, 
I've not really, I've not, I've not really attached myself um, as God would have me do it, and um, and share, and share alike with the heartache of of a fellowship, the the failures of a fellowship, the the brokenness, and. Um, I've just I've been I've been convicted to ask God to forgive me and to and to move on and to um, and to become a player a team player. Amen. 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 Beautiful. Thank you. We've learned that we all need that, don't we? Anyone else? Oh yes. Good evening. Um, I almost made it up to the early, but I was waylaid by a sunrise that was just spectacular. And I veered off down to the lake and spent a precious, precious time with um, God and his creation and some other folks that uh, discovered it too. But you know what? Some of the things that I've learned here this weekend, this week, have made me realize that as beautiful as that sunset is, it pales in comparison to the fact that I can have a close, close relationship with Jesus Christ, and it can be pouring down rain, earthquakes under my feet. Uh, it doesn't matter because um, Jesus, I'm slowly learning, is my all and is the most important thing. Um, Another thing I learned was that I can go home and love God more, but I can do that by loving other people more. I learned that loud and clear today. Um, God is teaching me so much, and a lot of things have been crystallized this weekend. And I want to thank the speakers and thank everyone for being here. Precious. Thank you. Anyone else? I cannot sit there without praising God. And a lot of you probably know why, because a lot of you have been praying for my husband and myself. And I probably don't even know all of you that have been, because I know that you have prayed for us on the prayer line, and you've prayed for our family. And um, I was sharing with with Deb and Bob earlier this week, or actually right at the beginning of the meetings, um, Lyme's disease had gotten so bad that it was a struggle. And until um, I have renewed health, I didn't realize how hard it really was. And today, I was able to carry on conversations, listen to the speakers. I wasn't exhausted. I wasn't, (laughs) this is part of what I'm going to share too. I wasn't having to pray constantly to be able to think about what somebody was saying to me, to try to process it, to try to be able to respond appropriately in a way that would, and to act and to live in a way that would bring honor and glory to God. It has been a matter of constant prayer constant prayer um, to have the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual strength to go through every day. 
And um, so I was sharing with Bob and Deb that it had kind of thrown me for a loop to get well. <laughs> and I, <laughs> because it's like, oh God, I don't want to lose what I have learned while I was sick. <laughs> because while I was sick, um, my husband and I, what a lot of you know, that in our early 30s, when Righteousness by Faith was really going around the first time, um, I had decided I was going to quit playing church because there was no victory in my life, and I had been a good Christian, a good Adventist all my life. And um, right about that time, someone shared uh, with us the, looks, the book Lessons on Faith, and it totally changed my life at that point. But we know that we're having our lives totally changed all the time. <laughs> and it's a growing experience. And I confess of so many times of indifference and complacency and um, not growing up in, in Christ the way he would have us. And when I got sick, it was a time when God revealed to me how much fear I had in my life. Um, there was so much happening, and it probably contributed to the fact that my health went down. There was so much happening in my family with my mother and my brother, and all, and there was people we were dealing with, and people that were at, not people in our church. There was outside people in the community that were really attacking my husband during a time when evangelistic meetings were starting. I'd come home and I'd see the, the um, message machine full, and I'm, my heart would just start beating, and I was, you know, fearful and. Um, the other big thing that I was fearful of is that even though the wonderful things I had learned about Christ was my all in all, I could depend on him, I could trust in the word of creative power, the word of God, there is a bit of the old covenant <laughs> that couldn't really take hold of assurance. And it's hard because in Adventist church it's almost like sometimes, and I love being an Adventist, believe me, but I grow up on all my in the, the classes and everything was almost like you couldn't have assurance, you know, because then you were stepping over the line. And um, people, you know, think you're going to go one way or the other. You're going to get into cheap grace, which is grace is not cheap. We know that. It costs everything for heaven. But that you would take advantage of it as an excuse for sin. Um, but being sick and having these fears, it was just like, Fear, dear Lord, is just an evidence of unbelief. He showed me that. It was just unbelief. I didn't trust. And part of was that is that I wasn't just willing to say, I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And understanding that, it sets you free. I mean, it was so humbling when I finally just took hold of that. It was such a humbling experience that what Christ and God and the Holy Spirit has sacrificed to give me himself. And it just and it's the biggest motivator when you start beholding the power of his love. And um, I had learned all those things when I was sick, so now as well I was afraid, God, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose what you've taught me while I was sick. So coming here has really been a boost. It's just like, wow, this is perfect time. <laughs> because uh, just hearing all these things and being reminded of them, and then this morning, um, one of the pastors here, well, actually somebody had been in his group and had heard him talk about how the love of God constrains us, and that there's three elements to that. 
that the love of God draws you, sustains you, and pushes you forward. I th- you know, that was so precious to me because it doesn't matter if I'm sick or I'm well. He's the one that's going to continue to draw me, sustain me, and push me forward. So I, I praise his name for that. How many of you found that testimony especially powerful here this evening? You know, coming through what you have really speaks to us. Because uh, some of us have had some taste of some illnesses or disabilities or, or physical problems. But we sense that you and your family have been through far more than many of us have. And um, it really speaks to us that the Lord was helping you with this moment-by-moment struggle. And um, thank you for sharing that. I'd like to pray for you. And there may be others who have physical problems here tonight. You may be at the beginning of it. Whereas these folks have been, it's been a long time now. Um, you may have some things that are, are almost overwhelming and really maybe nobody else knows too much about it. But the Lord understands and he knows. And here's, here's every one of those moment by moment prayers. Every one. And so would you be willing to stay here and I want to pray for you and all of others who are facing similar things. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you're so understanding and compassionate. You were watching Frankie and Steve and their other loved ones going through things that the rest of us, we just don't have much of a concept of of everything involved, all the pain and all the uh, difficulty just to think clearly. My. Uh, but you you were right there feeling everything with them. And um, it's been a hard road. Um, but even though there were one set of footprints, you were carrying them. And we give you honor, Lord, for being a God who's so tender-hearted and so caring. And, and from the tears and the hardships, you've brought to Frankie and, and Steve and these precious um, lessons that she doesn't want to let go of. She's glad to get well. But to lose those lessons would be such a tragedy. And Father, our heart is heart to heart with hers. And with anyone else who's here, who's facing physical pain and suffering, or maybe emotional difficulties, hardships, or other kinds of things. Maybe some are holding it and nobody else really knows much at all about it, but you know. 
And Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come close and to take the lessons that you're sharing with them, each one, and help them to hold on to them and let them even go deeper, mean even more, and then use them because you draw and you support and then you compel us forward. For your kingdom and for your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. If anybody is having trouble with the assurance part and stepping over that line and just grasping the assurance, I don't believe that we can ever really true render any true obedience until we step over that line. Because what will be involved in our obedience will always be this little bit of an idea. Have, have, I, have I pleased you, Lord? Have I gained favor with you somewhere? And that is pagan. Mm-hmm. But when we step over the line and we realize it's all about him, Amen. any righteousness in my life will be a manifestation of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. It's his righteousness. Mm-hmm. All the glory goes to him. Amen. And true obedience really can come into our life through his righteousness. Amen. Amen. She put it well, didn't she? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, uh, in one of our devotional, one of our Adventist devotionals back oh, 20 years ago, uh, a devotional entitled His Healing Love. If you ever see it in the bookstore on the bargain roll, let me tell you, it is a bargain. And get a hold of that. But anyway, one page it says, Until we have the full assurance of God's love for us, his unconditional love for us. We cannot mature as Christians. Now, I don't know if it, I think it was uh, Bill was talking about the the bride. And you know, I like what uh, Robert Wheeland would say. He says there are two females at a wedding that everybody wants to see. One is the flower girl. Doesn't everybody love to watch the flower girl come down? And, and usually they do something a little humorous. Everybody wants to see the flower girl. And if you ask the flower girl, what are you looking forward to the most at the wedding? She wants the cake. I want a piece of that big beautiful cake. But you know, the groom is not there to marry the flower girl. He is looking for the bride. And why is she there? What does she want to see? The groom. And you ask the bride, what's the first thing she's going to look for when she steps down the aisle? She's going to look at her groom's face. And you see... God doesn't want a church that's still a flower girl. He wants a church that's mature. Yeah, who's looking for her groom. And uh, that's what that made me think about there. We, we cannot mature until we're certain of the love of Christ for us. Okay, come up. It's Ed, right? Yeah, come up, Ed. And if there's anyone else, come up and be ready. Stand on the side and we can...
uh, go along effectively. Um, a small entourage of us came up from New Brunswick, and uh, we just wanted to say, I think I can speak for our small group, that we've really appreciated fellowshipping with you people these last two or three days. We got here uh, on the early side, a few hours early, and so we were able to take the whole thing in, the whole feast. We ate, we sampled something of everything that was on the menu. So we, uh, we are, will be going home filled um, one of the things that impressed me, and it's a simple thing, you know, it's really not profound at all, I guess, in, in when you consider the grand themes of righteousness by faith. Um, it's probably a very simple thing, but it's really something that touched my heart. In fact, we went for a little walk today and we talked about it. And that was the thought that um, God is so merciful that uh, the life giver actually, besides giving a life, uh, to those who profess faith in him, he actually sustains the very ones who are cursing him and working against him. And they owe their ability to curse him uh, to him in his great mercy. And that's something that has touched uh, me. Um, I want you to know that um, you people here in the Northern New England Conference are blessed. You have a real... Uh, Jim here. Uh, you have something good that's going on, and uh, I just want to commend you for it. Uh, we were doing a something similar in the Maritime Conference, and I want you to know that you are not alone, that uh, there are others walking this path. Uh, we had uh, Mike Tucker uh, from the uh, Quiet Hour. Like, well, he's into seem- seemingly so many ministries here. Um, the big name, Mike Tucker. He was at our camp meeting this summer, and uh, he heard the, the path that we are on, a similar path as you, and uh, he publicly said that I commend you folks for it because he says, I can tell you that there are not many conferences on that path. And um, you know something? Um, don't ever make the fatal mistake of thinking that this precious, most precious message of 123 years ago is the same one that we have been preaching as a church for the last number of decades. It is really totally different. Uh, It is powerful. It is not powerless. It has not been neutered. And, um, you know, um, I have been thinking that um, I do not cherish the time when I have to stand before the judgment bar of God and him ask me, Ed, why did I have to use the stones and the rocks to do the job that I gave you to do? Um, they have a, uh, uh, an interesting little expression um, that way down south, not just you guys are south of us, but I'm talking way down south. And it, uh, it goes like this. I say it from time to time when I'm getting frustrated about something getting accomplished. And it is this, get her done. Let's just get her done, folks. Um, I am weary of going through the same routines um, as a conference treasurer, spending hours there just going over the business of the church when we have been told clearly what will finish the work. In 6,000 years of our history, there's only been one time that we have been within a whisker of Christ coming and ending it all for us. 
ending this experiment with sin. And, um, you know, the big thing that we know what was happening there was a special message, a most precious message. We heard that this weekend, and um, if we don't take the opportunities that we have to express that message clearly in whatever ways and avenues that the Lord opens up, then indeed the rocks and the stones will finish that work for us. Because the Lord is anxious to come home. Um, He's anxious to meet his bride. And so I want to encourage you, I want you to know that as we leave tomorrow that uh, we will be remembering your your, um, focus here in northern New England. And we would ask that, and I know Kelly will be doing this, Kelly will be uh, praying for us in the Maritime Conference. We, um, as some of you may know, um, we've started a push. Uh, We uh, want to get our pastors together. And uh, we've established, uh, very quickly, we've established uh, quarterly meetings where we get all of our pastors together. And we'll be focusing on a message of Christ, our righteousness. We had our first one in very quick order. We established our first one at our camp in Pugwash uh, just a week or so ago and I invited Kelly and I know she was a busy gal but bless her heart she came down and um, the devil was really angry. We have a beautiful campsite right on the ocean. You overlook Prince Edward Island and um, generally the weather down there uh, is pretty nice in October and uh, September and we had the strongest winds for the two solid days that we were there. The wind never stopped blowing. Waves were crashing in. Normally if a storm goes through, maybe a little bit of a hurricane or whatever, it just blows through in a few hours. It didn't stop the whole time we were there. It just it was there. It was, one day it was raining and uh, something was happening. Uh, some of the buildings, I'm told, were even shaking a bit. And while I was a bit, I must confess, I was complaining a bit that the devil was just angry with us and wanted to make things messy. But um, one of our pastors, a lady, she actually said, no, I think what was happening, that shaking of the buildings, was the Holy Spirit working. And he was shaking us. And um, again, I want to commend you for what you're doing. And um, just keep up the good fight of faith. Uh, there will be results. This, the Lord wants to cut this work short in righteousness. And um, very soon, um, we will be able to lay our burdens down, lay our armor down, because the fight will be over, that good fight of faith, and we will um, be with the bridegroom in heaven. So thank you all for your fellowship and your kindness. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we have been totally blessed by being here and... Uh, I don't know all of you real well, but I've been getting to know Kelly pretty much, and um, I just want to say a word of thanks to Kelly for everything, and I'm glad that you were able to make it up to our thing there a week or so ago, and um, yeah, we just want uh, you to know that we love you all here, and um, wish, wish you every blessing in the path that you're on. Thank you. Get her done. I just got two small things to say. One, I think one of the lessons I learned this weekend that I was really appreciative of was that I had never thought of the fact that I died on the cross with Christ. That, you know, I knew he had died for me, but I had never 
thought of it as I had died and my sins had died with him. And that was a very, very valuable lesson, I feel. And the other thing that really hit a point with me was during our studies today when we were talking about um, the, you always hear that the road following Jesus is, you know, uphill and it's the harder road. And, you know, discussing that in lessons today, how much harder it really is to follow Satan. What a much rougher road it is to try and live the life of trials and tribulations that he's always throwing at you. And that if you're walking the Lord, the road with the Lord, that his hand is going to sustain you. So you're not walking that one on your own. And I thought those were just two very valuable lessons. Those are valuable, aren't they? Come here. Well, I've learned some tremendous lessons in the last few days, and I was very blessed to have come. I had this feeling that I needed to be here, and I found out why I needed to be here in the last couple of days. But one of the struggles that I've had since before I was an Adventist, I've been an Adventist about three years, was how do I know what the will of God is? And when I became an Adventist, one of the beautiful messages was the will of God is in his law. And this wasn't really taught to me before. And I think this is an amazing piece of information. But for the last three years, I've struggled, what is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to be doing? But when we were praying corporately for corporate sins, and I started taking on this idea that I am a part of the problems uh, that I'm not, you know, as a Westerner, individually responsible for, it changed my thinking that maybe I'm not supposed to be asking what is God's will for me, but what is God's will, period. And that, uh, that there's a work to be done. And when, when I was saying, what is God's will for my life? I had this special place, you know? He had this thing just for me so that I could be special. But if I'm special then I don't take responsibility for other people's sins. That's not what I do. Um, but when, we, when I've s started thinking about this corporate idea, it started to open up ideas. That sometimes we focus on the, thing, the big things that we see need doing, and we miss the things right in front of us that we can do. And so I can't do that because it's too big of a problem, but I can complain loudly about it. <laughs> And, and then you think, well, that must be my position. I'm the complainer to make other people do it. But that's not, that's not really it. So there's little things that I can do, and I've been doing them all along. And so I, I've been very blessed by this idea. So thank you. How about a little corporate repentance? How many have been the complainer sometimes? <laughs> all right. Yeah. Isn't it refreshing that we could have a different way of doing things? <laughs> we don't have to be the complainer. Thank you for bringing that to us. Yes, uh, I'd, I would like to thank uh, Kelly very much for this retreat. And Christine, I mean, I, she, she puts in so much too. And uh, the speakers, Bill and Sean, you know, you did a great job. Ed, I know you said, you know, we fed you good and you're, you're hoping to go home full. I hope you go home with the Holy Spirit filled you up also. <laughs> and uh, 
Right. Amen, Cliff. But I've been really blessed just being here. And I haven't been to every meeting. As you know, the other day I fell in the tub. And I was in there for an hour and a half waiting for my rescuer, Bob. <laughs> and uh, I'm still so sore from that. And But the Lord has been good. He's blessed for the meetings I have been here and I'm just grateful I have been here and thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to first say thank you to the Pastor Braces um, for your ministries. Um, you've made an impact on my life and, and my husband's life too, I believe. And I just want to thank you for that. Um, I'm sort of new to the um, Righteousness by Faith uh, message, and so I'm so thankful for it. I um, grew up as an Adventist, so I've never um, not been one. <laughs> but what I appreciate so much about um, learning about it is the fact that you don't have to do anything. It's not your behavior that is going to save you. And that's been huge because I think, at least in our generation, it's been rules and regulations and legalism, and it's been so freeing to know that it's not about our behavior. And I just wanted to end with, um, we, um, my husband and I listen to Lee Venden a lot. I don't know if you know who he is, but he loves Jesus Christ. He's in love with him. And um, this is something that he said. It's not what you do that changes you. It's who you know that changes what you do. Thank you. It's encouraging to have some younger people among us. I was sitting over here uh, at one of the meetings. I was looking at the whole group, and I thought, what if we had a group this size of 16 to 26-year-olds who were hearing this message? Oh, yes, that's right. Rightly trained in righteousness by faith, huh? Um, we need to pray for that. I'd like to stop and, and do it right now. Um, how many were at AUC about 40 years ago? Is anybody here at AUC 40? Yeah, yeah, see, there's a few, there's a few. There's a few. You lived in town. You were about that high, I think. Back in the early 70s, Lee Venden's father came through. And uh, Kim Johnson and Harry Subnani had already been part of a revival going on at AUC. And Morris Venden came, and then it just kind of really started going. And it hit other campuses, Andrews and Southern and, you know, all around. And um, you know the meeting we had last night? We had meetings like that every night. It's a student-led group. And sometimes we had 125 kids crowded into the student association rooms that they had. And it was awesome. And uh, I don't know what to say. But... But then kids moved on, and 
and troubles came and the thing petered right out. And, and I have to confess it petered out in my own heart and life because I got out and into ministry and then I tried to be the Savior. And that's not the pastor's job. Don't, don't ask your pastor to be the Savior. Um, it's too easy for him to live for those pats on the back. And that's not his calling, is it? So, um, so don't ask him to be the Savior. Uh, and try to save the church from all its problems. But that was 40 years ago. And we've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 more years. And I tell you, my heart is so warmed and burning because of what I see here. And what and, and to, to, to see once again a people who are responding to the Holy Spirit, bringing us back to this message and putting Jesus at the center. And God is the only one who can finish his work. And this is putting the emphasis back where it's supposed to be, with him. The issues are not so much about us, they're about him. What he's like, what he's capable of doing, what he's going to do, what he's promised, and how he's faithful to all of his promises. It's, it's all about what he can do. And um, by the way, I'm going I'm to get to you. In the book of Isaiah, let me show you something very quickly. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Because this is something you can take home and you can use every day in, in, in conjunction with what the braces have shared with us. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. And um, let's see, who has, a good, who, who has it ready and would like to read it for us? Okay, Terry. Here. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land. Wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. Amen. All right, notice the last part of that. You shall call your walls salvation. salvation, right? Now the walls would protect people if they wanted to, to be protected in those days. They would run into the city to get safe from the enemy, right? And that's where they had salvation. That's where they had protection. They were in the walls of salvation. But in order to get into the walls of salvation, you have to go through the gates of praise. So if you want the assurance of salvation every day and moment by moment, then learn how to praise. And then make most of your prayer time praise. And you can do that. And, only, and remember, praise is not thanks. You know, I can say to my wife, thank you for this delicious meal. But if I say, honey, you are such a tremendous cook and so thoughtful to make one of my favorite dishes and, and you've got it all ready for me as soon as I walk in the door, you are so thoughtful and so gracious and I just love you. Now, is that different than saying thank you for the meal? Because now I'm not so interested in the meal, I'm interested in her. 
So learn how to praise because it's all about Him. And don't just try to control that tongue. Don't say, I thank you, Lord. Don't say that. Say, Lord, you, and then fill in the blanks. And you can do that, not just to start your prayer, but everything you pray can be a springboard to praise. For instance, you're praying for your brother who's not a Christian. You say, Lord, I'm putting my brother Tom in your hands because you love him so much. And because of your love and your creativity, you have some things in mind to do in his life right now, today. Some things you just love to do, but you're waiting for somebody to ask you. To invite your intervention in his life. And so, Lord, take your plans and go to work. And and thank you. you. You are not going to force him. It's going to, it might take a long time because you'll have to nudge him little by little, but you love him too much to force him. And I praise you for being that kind of a God. And so you see how that becomes a springboard to praise. And if you're confessing your sins, Lord, I just blew up my temper to so-and-so, but Jesus never lost his temper. Where I am weak, you are strong. And so what am I going? I'm, I'm transferring my focus from my sins to God and His strengths. If I only talk about my sins all the time, by beholding you become changed into the same likeness. So if I'm talking about my sins all the time, I'm going to become more sinful. Yeah. But instead, if I use my sins to be a springboard to talk about God's strength, then my eyes are on Him and I'm going to become changed into His likeness. And then, of course, thanks. That's easy. You know, if we say, thank you, Lord, for providing us with such a beautiful Sabbath, we can go on and say, Lord, you're always creating marvelous things for us. And you are so generous with all your blessings and so on and so on. So use everything to be a springboard to praise and you will see amazing things begin to happen in response to your prayers. And, and read Second Chronicles chapter 20 sometime. We don't have time to get in. Now, Kelly, you had your hand. Yes. I was thinking about that when others were given a testimony, and what? And I'm so I'm glad you brought that. Um, there were there were a, f- a couple of factors I think that led to to the the revival of 40 years ago dying out, and I think that there are two main things. One is those of us who experienced it allowed the, the pressures of this life to crowd in. And we put Jesus second. And that can happen with a pastor just as much as anybody else. And um, so we need to pray for one another with that to keep, for the, for the Holy Spirit to keep the priority of Christ before us all the time. Um, that's one thing. The second thing that I see, and I'd like to have uh, Bill respond to this too, because he may have further things, but the second thing I see is that at AUC, and I don't know about the other campuses, 
but at AC, I did not see the faculty or the administration participating. You see, they're the ones who would stay every year. The students kept leaving. And so the ones who were staying weren't into it to keep it going. Now maybe, it may be that some were, were interested but didn't want to take over. You know, if a teacher shows up, sometimes you expect them to take over. I don't think that would have happened at the time because we did have one or two times where a teacher came and we didn't do that. But, but whatever the case, I think that we need leadership involved. Now, what do we do? Well, first of all, we love them. Remember what was said earlier, go home and love people. Love people. Ask God to make you an expert in loving people. Now that includes our leaders. Now sometimes our leaders are making decisions and doing things that we don't understand. I've been on the executive committee for several years here and there have been some times where I had to go to the leaders and said, I don't understand what you're doing here and I don't agree with what's what I see. And then they gave me a little more information. Now they're... Tr- and, and what it turned out to be was they were trying to protect somebody. And they were trying to work things out that would be for that person's benefit, but they couldn't tell about it because it would ruin it in the telling. And then the Lord put me in a situation in my own church where I had to do that. And people came to me and said, Pastor, we're very upset with you. We don't like the way you're handling this. And I said, well, you don't know the whole story. And they said, well, what is the whole story? And I said, well, that's not really your business. You know, I'm trying to protect somebody's reputation here, and I can't tell you the whole story and still protect that person. And you'll have to trust me. But that means we have to trust you. (laughs) And, And then I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's what I said to the leaders, didn't I? So... Please love the leaders, even if you don't agree with what they're doing all the time. Yeah. Love the leaders and pray for the leaders. Our own conference leaders and then our general conference leaders. Do you know that Elder Ted Wilson is being attacked within the church because of his stand on revival and reformation? And it happened the very day. I was right there at the general conference session. And right there, there was a rumbling from some quarters. And there was word going around that people didn't agree with this. And so, you know, Satan is not going to let this church move into revival without a fight. And he's going to attack us from the inside more than any place because he knows that's the most effective. Don't be a part of it. Put aside, anybody comes to you with complaints and gossip about leaders, say, please, let's stop right now and pray for them. That's the best thing to do. Say, let's stop right now and pray for them. Or you can say, let's go right now and talk to them. They won't come to you again. They won't come to you again with, with any complaints. If you say, let's go and talk right now. Yes. I think we should. Now, let me give you some um, encouragement. And that is not only is Elder Wilson, our president, 
asking for revival and reformation, which I don't think he fully understands yet, by the way, and because I don't think I fully understand it either. I don't think anybody does. I think the Lord wants to open up what this revival is going to be because it's going to be beyond anything that revival has ever been before. And, and so let's pray for uh, Elder Wilson and his associates to have an open mind for the Holy Spirit to help them see what revival really should be. And, and some of the people who are complaining about, re, about Elder Wilson's emphasis on revival are doing it because they are thinking about a wrong concept of revival. And they think that's what the issue is. And so don't discount anybody you know, who has complaints. But let's love them and pray that they will also understand revival better. And they'll be praying for the real revival to happen as the Lord leads us. But I think those are the two things in my mind is that we mustn't let the cares of this life overcome our priorities of putting Jesus first. And secondly, we need to ask the Lord to provide leadership, uh, be involved in this. Because that's what we see in revivals in the Bible and so on, that leadership was involved. So I want to pray about that. Um, but Bill, anything you want to add to before we pray for our leaders? I don't know why everybody's laughing. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Actually, I uh, I was teaching school by that time, but my wife here was in that room each night, Cliff, so maybe she would say something. That was a very precious time there at AUC, that's for sure. And the only the answer to Kelly's question, the only thing that can come to my mind right now is that as good as that was then, then it wasn't the complete picture. And I think that's why it did not last. And I think um, we have another shot at it now. Thank you, Melanie. That was very, very good. And I, whoops, I was thinking about that for a moment. I forgot all about that. But, but one of the things was we didn't understand the whole message. Uh, we didn't really understand the, some of the beauties of the 1888 message that we now have, have before us. And we didn't understand the judgment, the investigative judgment, the way we do now. Um, how many of you here have heard my message on the throne, the love seat of heaven? So many of you have. <laughs> well, I was, I was wondering if people would like to see that before you leave, but uh, I don't know if we can do that now. But... Uh, I, uh, we need to pray first, and then I'll take John. And we had it. Whoops. We had a young lady who was up here. Oh, she had to go out the door. Oh, okay. We, I didn't mean to ignore her. We still want to have time for that, but I just do want to stop and pray for our leaders. Uh, if you, if you know her and can invite her back in, we'd like to to uh, continue the testimony time. But we want to stop to pray for the leaders. Uh, before we forget about that. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, how precious this time together and this experience as you have fed us and you have led us and you have shown us more of your beauty. You have drawn us 
with your love, your everlasting love. And we rejoice. And we long for the that this be the time when a true revival of godliness can sweep through our conference and our world church and that it not be delayed another 40 or even 10 years that it be now and that it be pure and it be real and it be true that there be a purifying uh, aspect to it that can help motivate us that we will cling to Jesus and not let the pressures of this life take over but rather that the beauties of our Savior and the patient endurance of the Holy Spirit will crowd out the other priorities the other things of life that want to be a priority and we will have a balanced Christian life of Jesus being the focus of all things that fit in our lives and our leaders Lord oh we don't want to be the complainers not even complaining that they're not revived we don't want to be that that won't help a bit that's old covenant thinking it's not corporate repentance because Lord if we were in their place we would have all the temptations and pressures that they have and we remember Ellen White's counsel she said don't criticize the leaders because you don't have one one hundredth of an idea of what they go through of what burdens they have to carry so we don't want to fall into that but we do want to love them and we do want to encourage them and we do want to pray for them and we do want to intercede on their behalf that they may have the joy of seeing the beauty of this message and the opportunity that's before us right now and that they will want it and desire it and they will choose to uh, to jump in so to speak with both feet and lead us as you lead them we pray for Mike Ortel so many blessings have come to our conference through him and Lynn we pray for Arnold for Randy for Harry and for Trudy and um, all the others who we think about uh, their assistants and secretaries we pray bring into the conference office an atmosphere of your presence every day we think of how you've blessed them with a new building may this be not just a new building may it be a new era where the Holy Spirit has control of our leadership and of us as members more than ever before you lead us so well with such understanding we want you to be the leader thank you for hearing our prayers for our leaders here tonight oh and I don't want to forget our general conference leaders we're thankful that not only does our president Ted Wilson have a burden 
But there's also Jerry Page, the leader of all the pastors over the whole world. And uh, Mark Finley. And we believe that there are others, like the 7,000 that Elijah didn't know about. And Lord, we pray your blessing on all of them. And the ones who... Ones who may even be fighting the hardest against it. We pray you do what you did with Saul and turn them into Paul's. And may the cross of Christ be lifted up higher than we've ever done before. And so thank you. You've told us that you will lead Laodicea into repentance. It's a command and a promise. And as you do it, we will give you all the glory. For you will accomplish it by your outstretched arm. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, before we go on, the young lady, did we catch her? No? Okay, we'll catch her later then. Uh, we had John with his hand up for quite a while. Here, let's use the microphone. Yeah, I want to go back to that. I pray you all, Lord, you send more microphones, Lord, so that we don't have to keep wasting time walking around. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, okay, salvation and praise, okay. You have to get to, you have to go through praise to get to salvation, the same way you have to get from grace to the law. Because you enter the sanctuary from the east, that's why the power is coming back to the east. Because that's where you go from here, you go from the altar burnt offering to the Ten Commandments. All right, go from grace to law, not law to grace. Okay. I just want to let you know, I know uh, someone asked me earlier, have I thought about when I was going to retire? And a weekend like this reminds me that I've got all eternity to retire. Uh, And when we preach and we decide, like Paul, that we're going to preach Christ and, and Christ's righteousness. We know we're going to be under attack. Uh, weekends like this are, no matter how many times we come to it, no matter how many times we study it, no matter how many times we contemplate it, we learn something new. And we can take that back and we can continue the message that we want to share. And that message is, what HMS Richard Sr. was asked once, if you could describe the Adventist message in as few words as possible, what would you say? And without batting an eyelash, he said, Jesus only. And that's what it's all about. And I get emails all the time. I've had people tell me, why do you talk so much about Jesus? And I just look at them like they have six heads. And I said, keep listening and you'll find out. And you keep preaching it, Ron. Do we have our young lady? No, come, we want to hear. We don't want to leave anyone out. The Lord's given you something good. Oh, I don't know. I don't like coming front, but um, just a couple things. I just wanted to thank you so much for having the children's program. Amen. Yeah, it's been a huge blessing. Sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> um, I just, it's been, a, it's been a really real blessing because 
it's hard when you have little ones to be able to sit through a meeting, and I've been able to sit through most of them, so thank you very much. Um, just one of the things I want to say that I, I've learned a lot of things, but one of the things I'm really going to um, take away from this is um, that I want to part and practice with my kids is just the, and with the people that I meet, is the faith that Christ has in us when he sees what we can be and not what we are. And so with my children, I notice a lot of times, um, even though I don't want to, I tend to use guilt to get them to do things that they need to do. You know, it's very easy to. It's like, why did you do that? How come you, you know, what were you thinking? Instead of um, asking them what they were, I don't know, it's just um, revolutionizing my mind on how to deal with them. And especially my son, I know the guilt thing does not work at all for, for him. I, I can't get him to ever be sorry for anything. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, I need to look at what it is that he... I tried it today, and it was just really awesome. I can't repeat how it happened, but it was amazing. <laughs> just amazing. And um, I think that's exactly what I needed for him. Amen. One more thing is just I want to publicly praise God for... Healing my mom and dad. Amen. I I kind of hold off on praising him for that because I know it can be a process and take a while for him to get well, but I praise him for healing them, for the healing he's going to continue to do in them and the healing that he will do in them. Um, and so I just, I, I praise him for that. And I wanted to publicly praise him and also publicly thank him for all of you guys, and for the conference support, and for the support of the, their church families through this time. They were gone for a long time. They were gone for a couple months, and um, mostly to endure excruciatingly painful treatments. But um, he sustained them day by day, minute by minute, and brought them back to us. And I just thank him to have my mom and my dad back again. It's just incredible. I just looked at her today and I thought, Mom, you're so beautiful. And I can just see the life back in her again. And it's truly a blessing. Well, your mom and dad are precious to us, too. And we're so glad for that. Praise the Lord. Yes. wonderful. It was precious to see all the kids up here and to hear what they were learning. That was great. Very good. Yes, come up. Hi, everyone. I just want to thank everyone. That's I just was overwhelmed, Kelly, at how well and everything just went so smoothly. And uh, we were talking at supper tonight uh, because I'm the prayer coordinator for the Maritime Conference. And I'm thinking, this looks so huge. <laughs> but Kelly makes it look so easy. She just walks here and there and she just fills in and she just does her thing. But Kelly, I just want to praise the Lord for putting you in the position that he has put you. 
He loves you very much, and he is using you in a mighty way. And I just want to thank the Lord for bringing me here. Because uh, when we were in Pugwash last week, Kelly and I were together. And it's not by chance that Kelly and I are together, because God has put us together for a purpose. And when we were in that little room, and it was so windy, Kelly and I were just about to go to sleep. She had turned off the lights. And honestly, my bed was moving. It was going <laughs> like this. And I started to laugh, and I said... Kelly, my bed is moving. She goes, Diane, this isn't going to just blow over, is it? And I said, no, I don't think so. And she goes, you know, it reminds me of when Jesus was in that boat. She said, you know, when he was in the boat, he was sound asleep. All the disciples were scared, were afraid. She says, I think we should just have a prayer and go to sleep. <laughs> So we had a prayer and went to sleep. <laughs> and when we woke up the next morning, Kelly turns on the light because it's still dark. And the little lamp was going. <laughs> <laughs> and we slept through it. So. <laughs> and also. <laughs> And Kelly, remember when it was so windy, I said, I can't close the door, Kelly. You're going to have to move the vehicle. I can't. I had both hands on the door, and I couldn't close it. So you know how bad it was there. But we were so blessed. And I just want to encourage you that God is at work. He has started a work that Satan can't put out. And I believe with all my heart that it's going to start with the kids. And, you know, he was going to pray for the young people, and I'd like us to do that sometime very soon because I believe that they're the ones that don't have any baggage. We grew up in the church. We grew up with all this baggage. And you know what? I was just talking to Pastor Bill a little bit ago. And I, what I notice is there's so many kids out there that's never been in a church. That's never, ever seen the inside of a church. Like I have kids right around me that's never been in a church. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's where we need to focus on. And then I asked about Bible studies for youth because I believe that we need to focus on making righteousness by faith Bible studies for youth. Because if we are going to bring them in, we need to have materials so that we as lay people can use. You know, there's only so many preachers. There's only so many of you. And yes, you guys have it down pat. But you know something? No, that's true. It's not. It isn't true, is it? But you know something? We as lay people want to be used. But we need materials to be used. And when I came to you, how old do you say they were? Uh, they were about 20 years old. 20 years old. Guess what? I think we need to really work on that. 
because I believe that that's right. It's not us, is it? <laughs> we need to look up. That's right. That's right. Because you know something? I think the youth are ready to be used. You know, when we were in Pugwash, this camp meeting, they have a big youth tent. And my grandchildren are young, so they're, they're not in the youth tent. But we were, we had the, it was very fortunate that these two young people, their dad and mom couldn't come, so they, they had their tent down by our trailer. And we were kind of looking after them. And every once in a while, they'd come in and say, we need you to sign this paper because we're going out into the community to paint the, you know, um, picnic tables or they had a car wash and they had all these things and they were so excited about going to do it. We need to bring our kids into service for God. And we need to give them the ability to know what we're learning. You know, it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. Thank you. Let's stop right now and pray for our young people. Father, we love being here with our gray hairs and enjoying these messages of life. But what would it be like if these chairs were filled with youth? Amen. Oh, wow. And Lord, there are young people in this conference we do have to admit that because we older ones have not had that living relationship with you that we've lost a lot of young people. They said, well, if it doesn't work for my parents, I guess it's not going to work for me. I might as well go out and enjoy what I can. And so they're not here. And they're not in most of our churches. But Lord, there are still others who are coming up and there are those to reclaim. And you have abilities beyond what we can think of or imagine. We usually use that verse when we're think, praying for some monetary problem or something else that's related to our benefit. But I guess it's about time we applied that verse to the benefit of your work and your honor and for the what you can do among our young people. So Father, we put our kids in their 20s and teens in your hands that you may show yourself able to do abundantly above, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or can even think of. Work to your glory, we pray, and use us, especially in loving them, where you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think so. I also want to praise the Lord because as soon as I asked 
about the Bible studies. You sent me right over to the gentleman, right over there, that made the CD and has already given it to me. So I just want to praise the Lord for doing in such a short period of time what... Get her done. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, <coughs> whoever of you are, have been sitting here the whole time, I'm sure your, your testimony that you wanted to give, but you haven't had the courage to give it yet, has evolved and changed several times maybe like mine has. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I finally convinced myself to get up and get over myself and stop being so nervous to get up in front of people. <laughs> it's not about me, but there's a few things I just wanted to touch on, a little, little mixed bag of testimony. Um, first, I want to praise God because this is one of the coolest things I've ever been to in my whole life. Amen. <coughs> so I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, we're glad that we came up. And uh, uh, Ed? Okay, so I was actually thinking the almost the exact same thing that you were thinking, uh, this whole get or done thing. One of the things I was sitting there worrying about was how this is such an incredible experience, but what's going to happen when we all go back to our churches and the world says, well, we're, you know, takes over and wants to just squelch it all out. And I get frustrated thinking about that and... And I'm like, just want to hurry up and do this. Let's let's just get this done. And so it's something that was that I was thinking about. And um, but then I didn't want to keep worrying about that. Um, and then as my testimony started evolving, um, you just got up and talked about the youth. I teach the youth at our church in Norwood, and I feel the same way. I'm using a Bible study a Righteousness by Faith Bible study with our youth that's not designed for youth, but um, we're using it anyways, and we've got one one fellow in there. He's a little a little young for it, but he's been a trooper, and we've been trying to make sure that he understands and grasps, so I'm, I'm on board with that, um, uh, getting, getting youth Bible studies with this message as the highlight is, is great, a great idea, and it needs to be done, and I believe it will get done. Somebody's going to step up. God's got a plan for somebody to step up and do it. Um, and then, what's that? I don't think it's by chance that, you know, that it would fit. Right. Exactly. And then lastly, to, to, as, to get, kind of get over the fears of worrying about this get or done thing, uh, I was just talking with Pastor Brace, who is our pastor in Norwood, and about something I thought was just so fantastic. Last week we had our guest Sabbath. And I think this maybe was was God sh- showing me ahead of time, knowing I was going to get worried about the get her done, um, how he was going to get her done. <coughs> and I'll explain. We had guest Sabbath, and um, you, most of you probably are familiar now with Robert Wheeland. It's, he's been mentioned a few times. One thing he said in a, in a Daily Bread that I read once was that when this message of Christ our righteousness is preached at our churches... God will send people to it. Amen. He'll just send them there. And we had guest Sabbath, and Pastor Brace had prepared. I guess I called it, I said to him, maybe, you, uh, I don't know if you agreed or not, but it was kind of like a Righteousness by Faith 101 for beginners. So if you have never heard it before, here's a little. Make sure you know which Brace it is. 
brace oh. <laughs> it's the brace with the comb over, yes. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so here he, he had this, uh, actually a couple amazing things happened. Um, this family, they, they were islanders, correct? Yes. Yeah, they were islanders. And we've, we've got a lot of islanders in our church, and, and also you've got a lot of islanders in the Braintree Church. And we know that a, a lot of times the islanders tend to come a little bit later to services. And, <laughs> and so, and typically in Norwood, we end, we end somewhere between 12 and 12.30 usually. You just, you know, get, all, get, get it all wrapped up. And um, just so happened on this guest Sabbath, we had a whole bunch of stuff that, that went on. And, and you got up to preach about, about 10, 10 after 12. Okay. And so normally, he's just finishing up short, you know, in just a few minutes. And about maybe five minutes after the sermon begins, this entire family of islanders comes in to the church when they would typically be saying, oh, it's done? And we'd say, oh, you guys missed it, you know, but they came in. And they got to experience this, this sermon that he preached. And then we happened to have a, a fellowship dinner afterwards. They decided to stay for that. And then we had uh, Pastor Brace had given a Bible study and just continued on introducing just little bits of 1888 and they stayed for that, and they heard all kinds of things they'd never heard before. And so um, the, the whole concept to me was that, you know, Ellen White had said that the means that God was going to use to finish up the work were going to be very simple means. And I was just expressing to, to, to Bill that, you know, these people heard this on a day. Normally they would have come, services would have been over. They heard a sermon that was just just for beginners, something that, you know, this is what you want to hear to start out, to hear the stuff you've never heard before. So now what are they going to do? I'm assuming th that the way God works is they're going to go back and they're going to tell um, people at their church what they heard. And just it can just spread that way. They're going to go, they have a large church that they go to, and just who knows. So the get or done thing I think can, can get done. Uh, quicker than we get tempted to feel it won't, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So. You're next, I think. Were you? Okay. I, I was supposed to make an announcement earlier, but now's a good time because of all the things that have been brought up. Uh, a lot of people are expressing concerns, the same that I have. I feel incredibly blessed to be here, and I'm worried what's going to happen Sunday afternoon. How am I going to take this message with me? And when as long as you're here, it's almost like God has sent us a couple of braces to hold us up and give us a message. But you know, when eventually you have to eventually you have to leave the braces. But the dentist will give you a retainer. And so think of this as like your little retainer to take the braces with you and we say we look around we think you know we need more young people here and that's true a lot of teenagers do need braces even people in their 20s and so maybe you can think of one of them and pick up one of these tomorrow after the messages um, you can leave your order form or money anytime but tomorrow make sure you come see me and think of other people as well thanks Thank you.
I had braces when I was 55 years old, so you're never too old for that. Uh, and I know, let you know too, that the youth are interested. I have 40 youth in my church. 40 youth. And if any of you have heard them play, uh, they are all interested in the message. Uh, so so then it's not that we have to force it on them. They want to know. They want to know. And you were looking for uh, a study. Uh, two different times I used the study. It's called 95 Theses on Righteousness by Faith by Morris Venden, uh, with apologies to Martin Luther is with the full title. But I used that two different times. And there are 95 individual pages on it. Uh, I think I think I saw it back there. It it's a fantastic book, fantastic book for youth. I did that in the Gardner, Massachusetts church. We had 14 youth. Those 14 youth went 95 weeks without missing a Sabbath. 95 weeks. They went through the entire book. Not a one of them missed a single Sabbath. So that's how powerful it was and looking around and hearing the story about braces I'm, I'm wondering if I need to shave my head because uh, <laughs> Pastor Cliff, Pastor Arnold and I see Sean and I think I wonder if I'd be more effective if I, if I shaved my head <laughs> Are you coming? You need some assistance? <laughs> I've asked for all this, haven't I? I just, I just wanted to say that a number of years ago when my nephew and two nieces went to the orthodontist to get their braces, he gave them all T-shirts that said, Braces are beautiful. <laughs> Um, I just was uh, coming up to, to say that, but uh, no. Um, is that uh, thing we were going to hand out, is it, is it available? Remember that I had mentioned a couple of nights ago and maybe uh, later that uh, Elder Wilson has written this article that was on the Adventist News, Net uh, yeah, News Network called uh, Corporate Identity uh, something or other. Uh, I don't know if you have enough or not to, but maybe one per family. Do you have, did you do 50 of them? Was that it, Arnett? Okay, so maybe one per family. A very interesting thing, as I mentioned, the first time I've ever seen a general conference president uh, talk about corporate identity, and I think he is right on track. He really is. And uh, we need to remember to pray for all our leaders, especially Elder Wilson, who's probably under tremendous pressure, and I do believe is really, really learning about a most precious message. And uh, it is changing his life, and I think Mark Finley and some of the others doing the same thing. So that's all. Thank you uh, for letting me come. Again, I've already mentioned that to you. You know, testimonies are tremendous. Testimonies are trem powerful, powerful stuff. And uh, it's great to know that God used you in some little way to uh, bring Jesus more vividly to the hearts of individuals. And you know, the... the you mentioned Elder Wheeland, 
And I remember when he would have weekends, all he would say is, I am here to stimulate your hunger and thirst for Jesus. And so this is just, this is just a little tidbit, right? And so all that God is asking you to do is to hunger and thirst for more Jesus, and he'll give you more. He really will. So thank you. Yeah, that's the key is to, as you leave here, ask the Lord to lead you into a personal experience with him. If you're not already taking time every day for him, you need to do that. But you need to ask him to show you how to do it in the way that will reach your heart. Um, You may have to start with a formula that you've heard from someone like Elder Vendon. But um, but don't be satisfied with someone else's formula. Ask the Lord to reach you where you are. Um, to, to lead you to that part of Scripture that will really get your heart. And, and to show you things about prayer that will really meet you where that need is, where your need is in, in how to pray. And it's, uh, you know, I can't, I can't tell you because I don't know you the way the Lord knows you. But the Lord does know you. And he's ready and anxious to lead you into that kind of a time with him that will be very personal and real and beautiful. I see a hand up. You're ready, here, here to speak? Yeah. Are you going to speak? Um, I'm not sure. Well, you're here, so you come up, and then you come and sit up here so we'll know that you're next. It's kind of nice to hear the history of what was happening on the East Coast in the 70s, because out on the left coast, at Pacific Union College, we had, of course, Desmond Ford. We had Morris Vinden was our pastor there, and also we had uh, Irwin Gain, and also we had Dennis Preby. And we had Whelan and Short come up for a weekend hoping to get a church, but no church would allow them to come in and speak. Now, Morris Vinden was already preaching righteousness by faith and was excellent. So we got a barn. There was a barn, and that was, the, I guess, the first time that I really sat in on a weekend and got to hear righteousness by faith, the way God designed it and gave it through Jones and Wagner. And it really inspired a lot of people. In fact, the book Lessons on Faith, I don't know if you know the history of that. A little bit? Kind of bit? Well, anyway, while we were there, there was a doctor named John Ford. No relation to Desmond Ford. But he had a medical practice in Calistoga, California. And he and his wife were helping a daughter do some research, do some research for one of her college papers. It needed to be done. So they got permission to go into the White Estate, the archives, and go through and read. And they came across these articles that were talking about this was the message that came to the people back in 1888 to wake them up to their true condition and desire what God had given Jones and Wagner to speak because they were fast losing their hold on God. And so this... Lessons on Faith book was compiled by this doctor and his wife, and they put all their money into it. In fact, I don't know what the books are now, but back then they were just selling them for what it cost them to print. Yes? They would travel around the country distributing those books at 
John and Laura Floyd, Ford. And right now, of course, you know Robert Wieland is resting in Jesus, and I believe John and Laura Ford are as well. And these were some great people to know. I mean, they gave of their time, their energy, their monies, so that we could settle in both intellectually and spiritually into the truth and live it. That's what God designs. He wants us to live it, not just preach it, not just talk it. He wants to see it in his people because people are going to come because of what they see happening in your life. When all the troubles and everything are being shaken, they're going to know that the connection you have with God is something that they want, that they desire. In fact, I want to take you, I think maybe you've already been there this week, just real quick. I'll be fast. But if you want to go to Isaiah chapter 32... Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Is that something you want? It's a promise. You can have it. And then I like over in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Some familiar verses to us, I know. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Aren't you glad? When I heard those words back then, I mean, I was, I was a staunch Laodicean. And I could go to church week after week, and I could sit as far away as I could from Elder Vinden. Now, this wasn't Morris Vinden. This was his father who would preach down in, in uh, St. Helena. And I would get as far away as I could, and I would listen to my tunes. We didn't have iPods. We didn't have, you know, transistor radios. But all the tunes that I listened to all week long, I could hear playing in my head. And I would sit there with my wife. And when i get through, I'd tell them what a great sermon. But I knew I was losing it. I was losing my hold on God. So when somebody asked us to go to these meetings, when somebody asked to come in and have Bible studies, I did not want any part of it. But praise God, my wife let him into our home. And then, of course, that's another long story. I won't go into that. But eventually... When I went to those meetings, it was just like, why I put it off for so long, I don't know. But praise God, he has a way of bringing us all around. He's not willing that any should perish because he wants to live forever with us. Okay. I, I have a book at home. It's called, I think it's called Faith That Works. And it's written by Morris Venden, and I, I bought it 36 years ago, and it's on the floor next to my bed. So I think that a lot of us who heard Morris Venden, we still have something of, of what we remember, and we, and we loved it. And because I heard someone say, well, what happened? What happened to that? Because we, we learned it. And, and that's, that's a great question, because the answer to that is it's the same thing that we're going to have to deal with going forward, because... In the way, you're going to meet something, and it's going to be a question. 
And it also, it's going to come up, we also had a mom that came up that talked about children. Because how are we raising our children? Are we raising children along with the principles of righteousness by faith? Really? Because the children keep you honest. And they really keep you honest. And, and uh, you know, uh, when I grew up, I used to always hear people say, we have the truth. We're in the truth. We have the truth. And um, one time when, when my children came home from college, you know, and they understand, you know, if, if I'm going to be walking around saying that I have the truth, you know, that's not very democratic. And so they're, you know, they have to challenge me on that a little bit. And, um, and so they both stood there and they said, well, if you have the truth, shouldn't it make a difference? Shouldn't it make a difference? But, but there's, there are some issues that come up with that right away. Should, shouldn't it make a difference? Because that, as humans, if we say that, it means they're looking for some evidence. They're looking for something that we call success, something that shows that you've measured up. That's what we've taught our kids to do. We've, we've taught them that there's a level that they can achieve that's success. But yet, Mrs. White has told us that higher than the highest human thought can reach is the level that we should be aiming for. So anytime you're talking about succeeding, you're talking about something human. You're not talking about something that's spiritual at all. And, and, you, and you don't want to hold that, that out to the children. You don't want to hold it out to yourself because the devil's going to excuse, accuse you. He's going to say, you went up there, you think that's good and right and true? Well then, shouldn't it make a difference? And you're going to say, well, it didn't, so I guess it wasn't good and right and true. But the point is, don't look for success. Don't check yourself for fruit. Uh, because it's not about that. What you want to show your children going forward and what you want to demonstrate to your church when you go home is not success. It's dependence on God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, boy, you hit the nail on the head there. Dependence on God. That's what Laodicea needs, isn't it? They don't see their needs, so they're not depending. We don't see our needs, so we're not depending. So we need the Holy Spirit to give us that sense of dependence, a great need of Christ. That's what recommends us to him. You want to share. I praise God for what I'm seeing this evening. My heart is glad, is overjoyed. Amen. The Apostle Peter speaks of a joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. And God inhabits, we are told in Psalm 22, God inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. The Spirit of God is made manifest when the name of God is praised. I would like to share with you what has changed my life. A threefold prayer. You can put it in your own words. But that prayer has changed my life and my ministry. And I would like for you to just hold on to those, to those words. Number one, Lord... Bless me today with a fresh insight into your character, your love, and your ways. 
that will revolutionize my thought pattern, my attitude, my ministry, my life all together. Number two, show me today what you can do in the life of the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And number three, lead me to someone whose heart vibrates for Jesus. I can guarantee you, your life will never be the same again. God bless you. You know, I just want to praise God for this wonderful time that we've had here this weekend. I mean, you know, I know that righteousness is by faith, not by feeling. But I have to tell you, I feel something here. You know, I'm feeling that something is happening here. And listening to the testimonies, I just want to say this is what we need to do because there's nothing more powerful than your personal testimony. This is what we need to take home with us to our churches. What has Christ righteousness done in my life? What can Christ's righteousness do in your life? As has been said, it's above and beyond all we can ever ask or think. I just want to praise God for you know, the messages we've heard here, the word, the presence of God here. I want to praise him for the rain. And as a matter of fact, I, I have a confession I have to make about the rain. Uh, I, well, you know, I'm praising God for rain. I, I'm a painter. <laughs> I have work to do. And so I can be here in the rain without feeling any guilt about finishing the job. So, you know, there's, there's blessings in everything. So praise God for the rain. But, you know, I just want to share with you that God wants us to be filled with his spirit. I mean, this is what the righteousness of Christ is all about, is his spirit dwelling in us. And the promise is to us and to our children. That's what it says in Joel. It's to you and to your children. It's to all of us. God wants to fill us with his spirit, and that is his righteousness. And the promise says, ask, and you shall receive. The promise says he's going to pour his spirit on all flesh, everyone. He's going to pour out his spirit on this earth. We need to prepare, be prepared to receive that. And, you know, what do we have to do? Is, is it going to be another works thing? Are we going to work our way into preparation for it? No, we just submit and surrender ourselves to Christ and say, I give you my heart. Lord, take me. That's all there is. I mean, I, I just want to praise God for this message and ask that you carry it home in the witness to what God has done in your life and allow him to continue to do that in your life. John, were you one? I don't usually get up front very often, so I'll make it short and sweet. Uh, what I've noticed over the years uh, is they have a big event like this, and, and they say you take things home, right? And then they have a, a disappointing thing, and they say, well, whenever they have a mountaintop experience, they go back in the valley. No, this is not a mountaintop experience. This is a stepping stone experience. If it's your mountaintop, your mountain is too low. You need uh, Mount Zion is where we're going. This isn't it. This is the way to it. This is not it. So what I'm saying is that you need a war room. 
We're fighting a war. You need a war room. It needs a war room down in that new building. You need, you need, if you're going to fight a gospel war, you need to know how a real war is fought. You need to plot these things. I mean, I got these things all done at my house. I've been working on this for seven years. And so what needs to happen, instead of worrying about each individual churches, the whole white conference is too big. If you had something in Barrie and in Bangor and the other place, that's still too big. You need to have groups of people together, but not a huge group, but not one individual. And start organizing like that. I mean, I want to work with somebody who's not far away from me. I don't want to work with somebody that's something callous. That's too far away. Nothing against the person, but I want to work with somebody that's within an hour or an hour and a half away from me. And we need to know where we all are in that. And group those people together and start making a plan. One person's too small. Five hundred's too big. Okay, you guys take over and do that. Get her done. I like that. If this is your mountaintop, your mountains is too small. Amen. I want to get to that Mount Zion. And soon, soon and very soon. Well, let's see. Oh, we have Dr. Neal's share. <laughs> well, I've been resisting hard coming up. <laughs> I was recently told I talk too much. Well. And uh, that I dominate conversation even. And the Lord's had a few other ways. He's been softening me up lately. But this is my first time to prayer retreat. It usually comes the week after men's ministry retreat, which I have some responsibilities in. This year it was two weeks away, and the Lord knew very well that I needed this. I had some responsibilities at men's ministry again this year, and we were blessed with a great outpouring of the Spirit there that I'm very grateful for. But I see God working in our young people also. We had more young people there than we've ever had before at men's ministry. And the lead speaker on Friday night was Oliver Bragg, who's 22. And I went to GYC for the first time this last January and never saw such energy as I saw at GYC in Baltimore. And I'm not going to probably ever miss another GYC. But what I'm here to tell you isn't about just our young people and their success. It's to tell you about this old guy. I think I'm even older than Bill. He's been calling himself the old guy. But <laughs> we were also on the West Coast when this revival of the 70s was taking on, and I was finishing graduate school instead of college and had three kids already. And uh, we went to hear Maury Vinden for one church service and heard J Bill Lehman for the other church service. So we went to early church in Loma Linda and to second church in La Sierra and got two sermons in one day. And that was the time when I, as a preacher's kid, was absolutely cold inside but uh, still carrying on a very good show on the outside and that's one thing PKs learn easily is how to look good on the outside because that's so important to our system in fact it happens to be a disease that some other workers kids have and maybe even some other people's kids have but God got a hold of my heart then and I won't go into that story but now I've been in the New England field for 30 years and I'm retired now and God sent me here on a mission to help raise up a church and I've been sort of with my wife the mom and dad of the church for a long time 
And uh, recently, the uh, whole church has felt like it was falling into my ears. And uh, God uh, showed me this weekend that I had lost my perspective about his ability to show those that seem impossible to work with that there's possibilities because I give up on them too easily. And I've had a number of people that I've been working with lately that (coughs) seemed like they were going backwards instead of forwards. And (coughs) in the process, he's been able to tell me some pretty other stern things that I needed to hear about how I was pushing instead of allowing him to pull or draw. And he told me about a year ago, a little over a year ago, that I needed to quit studying the Bible for what I needed to teach people. I needed to start studying it about what he needed to teach me. And uh, he gave me the statement of Desire of Ages, page 113, that said... When Jesus came out of the water and the dove came down and the heavens opened and the Father's voice said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Ellen White says that's words for all of us. And uh, that was the time I went back to using J-Boy, my childhood name in the family. As I sign my letters to the Lord that I write, I do better if I write it out and think it. But... um, It's easy, we've talked about pastors, but in our conference, local elders do a lot of pastoring. We're without a pastor a lot of the time. We met here two or three years ago to have leadership meetings for local people. But um, in our small churches, local leadership gets a lot of pressure. And sometimes we think we're only the only ones carrying the ball. We feel a little bit like Elijah. And... uh, God has shown me through this meeting that we need to come apart from our own areas of responsibility and just feed on his faithfulness among people who are feeding on his faithfulness. And it's been the uh, highlight of my year to be here with you, and I praise God for it. He he said it, and, and we need times where we can retreat. Um, if Jesus needed them, we need them. And um, it's not just uh, on these retreats, which are a larger thing, but um, ask the Lord to lead you in retreats that you have to take, sometimes just a husband and wife taking a retreat, or maybe a, a... two or three couples together. Look at those possibilities of how the Lord can feed you again and and carry your burdens. Um, Greg, come up and share with us. Well, like uh, Dr. Neal said, I've been sitting there too resisting for somewhat of a different reason, I guess. Uh, this whole get her done thing. Y'all talk funny up here. 
It's not get. It's get. <laughs> get her done. So, Larry the Cable Guy needs to be defended, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to thank Sean and Bill for being here this weekend and sharing. I know it had to have been a very special thing for you two to be able to work together as father and son. And uh, the message that you brought uh, was definitely God-ordained, and it was very needed uh, for me personally and for us corporately. Uh, trying to get that corporate thing in there, get away from my Greek philosophy or whatever that was. But I, I thank you. I uh, thank Kelly and your whole team. Uh, as a pastor, it's nice to spend a weekend where you can sit and be fed Amen. and just relax and kick back and, and listen and, and really be blessed. And, uh, you know, your whole team, I thank you for, for letting us be here. And, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff here. Fortunately, uh, we have it all recorded because my memory's not that well, that good anymore. And so I can have this on my iPod and listen and listen and re-listen and stuff and take some of these messages and plagiarize them quite heavily <laughs> and return to my congregations. If some of them are here, sorry, you're going to hear it again. Uh, but especially the, the whole thing about God having faith in us. That just blew me away. You know, I, I, for, I grew up in an Adventist home, but I left the church for 22 years. And uh, let's see, about 12 years ago next month, I gave my life to Christ again. And it's amazing that here I am, you know, only six years later, I was a pastor in this conference. kind of makes me wonder about the leadership. <laughs> but anyway, I... Uh, I, you know, I don't know, but anyway, it's, it's, I'm thankful that it's recorded. That, that little bit of information helped me to understand, because I hadn't quite figured out how did, how did I live for 22 years that way? How did I survive some of the things that I did? Uh, many others didn't, uh, some of the things I was involved in. And yet God saw me all through that. And now it kind of makes more sense to me. I thank you for that piece of the puzzle. Uh, next Sabbath, we're having a homecoming Sabbath at our church in Woodstock. And I've been really praying and going over things in my head as what the message should be for that Sabbath. And and that that thing kind of filled in some of the missing pieces, so I thank you for that. Uh, but I really appreciate being here. It's always a great, great time, and uh, thank you for the things we learned. Is there anyone else? Oh. Are we going to have any time for questions? But there's anybody who has questions, we're ready now, anytime. Can I just share something? Um, is it all right for one of the preachers to share a testimony? Um, you know, um, there are certain people who have been influential in my ministry and my life in general. And um, not surprisingly, the most influential and inspiring has been my dad. And I praise the Lord for that. Um, and my mother as well. Another one has been Cliff. I was, I, I mean, I know Cliff has shared the story before, but 
You know, he used to be, I think it was primaries or junior tent at, down at Southern New England. I did it all. You did it all. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on which year. <laughs> but uh, I, I grew up in some respects with Cliff's son, and we went to the junior tent together. And Cliff <laughs> claims to this day that I was the one who would influence his son on the bad path. But I <laughs> another, and I don't want to leave anybody out who's here, but um, I'm sure he wouldn't want me saying anything about him as well, but uh, Rick Koontz. You know, he's a man of God. Amen. And uh, I told him yesterday that if I don't hear an amen from him when I'm preaching, I know I'm doing really bad. <laughs> and uh, I was I was missing his amen chorus. <laughs> but you know, something that Rick shared with me about a year and a half ago now, when he came to do an evangelistic series in West Lebanon, was very profound to me. And he said that he's realized that no matter where, no matter where we are, at any moment, the primary reason we're there is because, because God's trying to save us. He's trying to save us. You know, we may think, well, I'm going to go minister here because these people need me. You know, I'm going to go here because those folks need me. But God is trying to save us. And I just praise the Lord that he's been trying to do that this weekend for me. Because I honestly, I, I, I feel so inadequate when I, when I share. And uh, then I have people asking me to sign their books, you know, that they've purchased. And it's, it just f- feels silly. It honestly feels silly. And so the Lord has been working on my heart this whole weekend. And first of all, trying to impress me with my inadequacy but then trying to make sure I don't stay there. And I recognize it's not about my inadequacy, but it's about his strength. And um, like many of you, I I think to myself, well, what happens tomorrow, you know? What happens when I go home? Um, But I don't have to worry about that. Because God just tells me to just surrender to him right now. And he'll take care of the rest. That's it. That's it. It's just about right now. So thank you. Questions or praise? Either we all have it all figured out or we just haven't asked any questions. I, I, just something that, that dawned on me. I know that in 1844, there was a great disappointment. Now, unbeknownst to them, but years later they find in Revelation chapter 10, yes. it was faithfully recorded. And I just wondered, is there maybe a prophecy somewhere recorded that I don't know about that tells us about 1888? <laughs> oh, good.
Well, the bridegroom was delayed, right? All the all the the all the 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 virgins, all ten virgins, slept. Um, that's a very good question, by the way, and I don't know of anything except, um, and Sean may have something to add, that I could think of. The only thing would be Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. I don't know if you ever heard the story or not, but uh, Elder Wheland, back in the 30s or 40s or something like that, when he began to understand this whole thing, he went to visit, uh, was it Elder Washburn? I think it was. Uh, Cliff, do you know? remember that story? I think and Elder Washburn had been, a, had been a delegate to the 1888 General Conference. By that time, of course, he was quite elderly, and Elder Whelan wanted personal interviews. And one day while he was visiting with him, uh, he was going through his Bible, and he went to Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. And next to that... Elder Washburn had written in 1888. And I think that may be very true. I think that uh, that is the Adventist um, experience. Yeah, let's read that. Cliff, do you have it there? Well, read, the, read the passage. Yeah. So Song of Solomon 5... Starting in verse 1, I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. Um, We don't need to have a whole exposition of that, but that's actually the wedding that is taking place. There's this divine voice that's saying, eat, inviting uh, Solomon and his bride to partake of one another. Um, and then it goes on to say in the next verse, I sleep, this is now the woman speaking, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. It's a very sobering passage, isn't it? And um, I think it has prophetic significance because my dad touched upon this a little bit yesterday. The, the Greek version of verse 2 is actually quoted word for word in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, I stand at the door and I knock. And so I think it does have some prophetic significance there. Anything more? No, nothing more, but I don't know if were there any other questions. Yeah, were there any other questions? Make sure they're not hard if you ask them. <laughs> okay.
cliff. <laughs> God knew. God's infinite. And I think the idea of that Jesus had to become a man in order for us, for him to know what we were going through, is not quite the way that I've come to realize it, and that is that we, need, we needed the assurance that God knew what we were going through. And it was for our sake that he did that. Okay? Um, you want to expand on that? Or you got something else? I don't know if I completely agree, but... <laughs> no, I... I, I myself, there's nothing biblical about, I don't know, Ellen White may say something. I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact of God learning something new. But that may be heretical, it may be way off, but Lorraine is going to set us straight. <laughs> I, I've missed the whole weekend. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I'm married to Arnett. Amen. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't be here uh, because I had responsibilities in our church still. But I came up here as fast as I could. <laughs> but um, God had to... I, I preached the sermon in our church this morning. God had to veil his glory, and he could only do it in human flesh. And the sanctuary message is about him veiling his glory and revealing a little bit at a time until we can stand face to face in the consuming fire. Amen. The consuming fire is the righteousness of Christ, it's his character. <laughs> he, he loves us with such a pure love that anybody who's ever come in contact with him, be it Isaiah, be it Daniel, be it John the Revelator, they fell on their faces like dead men. Because when we see Christ in the purity of the love that he gave us, it reveals to us our wretchedness. Amen. You know? But when we, see, when we see the beauty of who he is and we see what we, what we are like, he still loves us. Amen. And that's, that's entirely incredible. Amen. And, and he doesn't want... It's a, it's a blessing when we can see how we're not like him. Because it makes us realize the greatness of who God is. Amen. You know? He is the creator. We're only the creatures. And Ellen White talks about what God has been wanting to accomplish in us is to put man's glory in the dust. You know? I, I praise God. For the beauty, you couldn't put, if, you know, sometimes you go to these self-service places or, or you go into a Home Depot and you see, do it yourself. You, you put in orders for what you might want. We couldn't put in an order for a better God. 
you know. <laughs> we have eternity. We won't be retiring. We're forever learning more of the glory of what God is like. Amen. I'm sorry. I, did, I missed what you guys did. I I didn't grow up I didn't grow up in this church but when I prayed a prayer and I asked God I said I'm lost in a world where I don't know how to find you and nobody seems to know how to show me you and I said I'm going to depend on you, God, to show me. And I had this incredible peace come to me that God was going to give me an answer. And somebody within a week gave me a great controversy to read. I lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, 10 miles away from Collegedale, and didn't know Adventists existed. Didn't know there was a church. Didn't know they went to church on Sabbath. I didn't know nothing about them. But I knew that there was a God that I wanted to be like. And when I read the great controversy, I closed the book, and I didn't say, who was this author? No, I said, wow, what an incredible God. And I was lucky that I didn't grow up in the church, because, and I was lucky that I didn't hear any prejudices against Adventists. Because it opened my mind to God teaching me. Amen. I, that's, Amen. So, so he just wanted to veil. He had to. Because if we, set, we see him with his full glory, it makes us feel like dead men. But he wants to reveal more and more of himself to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. What's that? We're going to huddle up just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he says yes, I say no. So that's the answer. Okay? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> no. Maybe he, this brother here has... I, I, I'm sorry, brother. I would have to agree with you, Father. Listen to your father. <laughs> the reason why I'm saying that, if you read carefully Hebrews chapter 2, up to verse 14, you'll discover that the nature of Christ is tied, number one, to his redemption, next of kin. And number two, the nature of Christ is tied to his high priestly ministry. So, he became a man, not so much that he might get to know man, so that man might get to know him. So he was known prior to the entrance of sin, he was known as a holy God. But now, having become a man, he's known as a righteous God. Because righteousness has to do with the confrontation between holiness and sin. So he became a man so that we might know him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's worth uh, continuing to, to ponder because it's a very fascinating subject, isn't it? Um, Cliff? Well, do we, have any, do we have any other questions before we...
we turn it back over to Cliff to bring this to a close. Any other questions? Yes. Could we pray for Neil and his church? Yes. Dr. Neil? Yeah. Pray for you and your church. Thank you. Yeah. Would you come up? Would you join me in placing hands on him here? Let's join in prayer. Amen. Uh, dear Father, we thank you for the testimony that uh, Jay has shared with us here tonight of your activity in his life. Um, using uh, this meeting here and using fellow believers and um, just getting involved in his life in a variety of ways to help him see his great need of you. Uh, Father, we're on the same page with him. We need you. And we're learning more and more how much we need you. And we invite you to keep pulling back the blinders that we keep putting up where we want to feel sufficient. Um, And Satan wants us to feel self-sufficient. So please work with all of us that way. But we thank you for what you've done for Jay. And we think about his church family and the needs that they have right now. We ask that you would provide the wisdom and the strength and the humility and the dependence upon you that's needed right now for you to come in and for you to gain victory after victory. For Jay personally and then for the church family that you may receive honor and glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I sense that perhaps we're coming to a close of our time. Are there any other uh, testimonies to be shared? Or questions? Oh, back here, yes? cold. And what we've heard about today here is how to keep our love alive, how to keep a love for our Savior, a love for each other, and how to somehow even perhaps love ourselves a little bit if we can see ourselves the way that Christ sees us. If we can see others the way that Christ sees them, then there's a hope that that love light will not go out regardless of how bad things get. Because in the end, that's really the challenge. Will we be faithful to the love that God has shown to us, given to us, and called us to reproduce so that others can understand. It's not an easy path that any of us face, but I pray that we'll be faithful. God has faith in you that you can be a channel of his love. He has faith. You can be a channel of his love. In your home, that's the most important. In your home church, of course, in your community, you can be a channel. I I just want to emphasize, as I have tried to, is that righteousness by faith should never be just a theory, but very practical. And um, as I said before, if the pulpit's on fire, people will come to see it burning. 
and um, really the purpose of righteousness by faith is not simply to our church growth but there ought to be a difference in each one of us so that we are about saving souls for the kingdom it should increase our burden to see people come to to receive or to come to accept and appreciate the same treasure treasure that we have and I just want to encourage all you folk that um, again it is about sharing if you don't share you lose it right and so it's it's designed God loves every person on, on planet earth doesn't he and those people need to know what what you know and what you've experienced and I just pray that God will give you wisdom to know how to share that. And um, we'll see an explosion like has never been seen before. Amen. Yes, come. Okay. Um, I'm a math teacher. And one of the fun things that I do with my classes <clears throat> is I ask them if they'd like to earn a little extra money. And I tell them they're going to offer their moms and dads uh, a proposition that they won't refuse. And <clears throat> we live in Maine. We don't mow our lawns very often. But I said, tell your folks that you'll mow their lawn twice a week uh, starting in April. I live down in the Portland area. And you'll, you'll mow into late October. And just make sure you mow 30 times and tell them that the first time you mow the lawn, you'll mow it for a penny. And then the second time you mow the lawn, you'll mow it for two pennies. And the third time for four pennies. And just make sure you do it 30 times. And I, I started the year with a, a class of um, personal finance just to teach them about saving money when they're young. And I said, just take a piece of paper and start doing the math. And I gave them a half hour to do it. And thankfully, they all came out pretty much with the same answer. And I had them estimate before they started how much money they thought they would have. Does anybody know after 30 times? I'm not squaring. I'm saying one becomes two becomes four becomes eight. It's over a million dollars. That's how many souls that we can win for the Lord if we just show Jesus to them, one person at a time. Amen. How big is your lawn? <laughs> yes. I um, was into Shackley a while back. I don't know if anybody knows what that means. Okay, so when I went into Shackley, I knew God had sent me there because in a very short period of time, I went way up, like I became a director in the first month. I know. <laughs> I put a fleece in front of him, and he took me there, and he took me up. And he taught me many things. What he taught me was I could go into a home two or three times a week, and I put it, could put on a presentation, and there would be about five or six people in that little presentation. And what they told me was, Diane, make it sure that you keep it so simple that those five or six people that are in your presentation could look at you and say, I could do that. 
So when <laughs> what I'm thinking of is these Bible studies for the youth. Okay? If we could make it so simple that kids could do it. If we could keep it so simple that there are five or six kids in this presentation and they had five or six names that they were praying for that they could pass it on with, it could go like wildfire, just like what you said. I knew that there was a reason why God had brought me into that. Who's to know what it could do? I have a confession to make. I have been sitting there for the last two hours resisting coming up here. (laughs) And I usually don't have that problem um, because public speaking is something that has come easy to me living with a visual impairment and a seizure disorder all my life. So now that I got that behind me, um, I don't have a Bible verse I don't have a quote from Ellen White to give you. I just want to say thanks um, for this weekend. I was here in May for the spring retreat to um, accompany a friend, uh, Lisa Mahoney, who just came through our church's uh, evangelistic series last fall this time down in Portsmouth. And uh, I was blessed and uh, some healing occurred uh, in my life then. And it's been a process all throughout the summer. And um, there are a lot of challenges going on right now in my life. I don't want to bore you with the details, but um, I'm a, a graduate student in a program to teach the visually impaired, and I have struggled for the last 18 months Actually, it'll be 24 months this month um, to not pass a test, uh, to try and pass a test to get my master's degree. And it's a teacher licensing test. I'm in New Hampshire, but I go to school in Boston, and it's it's an MTEL, Massachusetts Test for Education Licensure. Long story short, the day I was supposed to be here for blind camp, July 17th, My elder and his wife drove me down to Boston so I could take the test, and I arrived here for camp at 8 o'clock, and that was my seventh time taking the test. And I said to God, seven is your perfect number. If this is going to be the one, this will be the one. Um, The hardest thing for me to do is to wait and and to have patience. And if there's any lesson that I've learned this weekend, it's that. Um, Jesus has become more real to me. Um, I have learned patience because the five weeks that I waited for my score, and my friends waited, and my family waited, and everybody waited, uh, the day that the score came out, it was a no-go. So unfortunately, I am in limbo, and... um, 
there are a lot of decisions going on uh, in my life right now. But, um, Pastor Bill, you have, um, uh, I think it was one of your sermons yesterday, uh, when you talked about self-sufficiency. And right now, uh, this test that I can't pass is on reading. And um, the struggle that I have with not passing this test is I'm thinking that it has to do with my vision and I'm not being able to comprehend the text and can't keep it when I go to answer the long story short. But anyway, when you got down to the point about self-sufficiency, I said, you know, that's all I've ever known. Living with a disability, living with a visual impairment, living with epilepsy is me, I. How do I do it? How do the people in my life cheerlead me on to make sure I can do it, make sure Jen can do it? And what has come alive to me this weekend is the realization that I need to stop putting the cart before the horse and I need to let God do it. <laughs> so, and it is a trial and I am still learning. <laughs> so um, thank you. Thank you for making this message real. Would you stay? Would you stay? Would you stay? How many still struggling with getting that cart behind the horse where it belongs? (laughs) Boy, oh boy. We're too human, aren't we? But we want to pray for you. Would that be all right? Let's pray. Dear Lord, you know Jen and you love Jen. And you knew you alone know what it was like for her to go into that test for the seventh time. And then to wait. And then to receive the results that she did. We thank you for bringing her here tonight. For this, uh, I should say, for this weekend, this retreat, and we praise you for speaking to her heart mm-hmm. and showing her anew that it's all about you. Amen. Whether the things that we've been dreaming about come true or not, it's still all about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about that verse that says, "You'll give us the desires of our heart." Often it's not the fulfillment of our desires that you want to give us. It's you want to give us what to desire. And Father, we keep getting the cart before the horse and keep thinking that it's what we can do for you that's important. Instead Instead of letting you give us what our desires should be and then fulfilling those which are so much bigger than what we would ever desire. Lord, we're hurting with Jen. But we're also rejoicing with Jen because you are faithful and you're speaking to our hearts with hers. And so we pray a blessing upon her that she may uh, go forth holding on to this assurance of your love and your grace and your goodness.
and that you are still there and still good. And we can look to you to see what you are going to do next in her life and in our lives. Thank you for being so capable of doing that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I just say one more thing? Um, (laughs) It's no accident that, you know, I'm here and I thank you again. I know I've said it before, Pastor Brace, for stopping by and picking uh, me up. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, it's... uh, it's a blessing to to have uh, connections in the right places. <laughs> to have two braces holding you up. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've watched you grow up, Sean. I've had Pastor Bill as a pastor uh, when I lived in Massachusetts. It's just a blessing. But um, one thing I wanted to mention is when I was here for Black Camp this this year in July. Pastor Harry gave us a challenge as Blind Camp because when he started 20 years ago, uh, there was about half of what's in this room as campers as at Blind Camp, about 70 or so. And uh, everybody was, or many of us have talked about multiplication in uh, reaching the numbers. And whether or not I finish my master's degree, my passion on my heart is for the blind. And I thank the conference I thank the pastors and I thank the sacrifice of the church for keeping this camp going. And I thank the opportunity to meet uh, Pam from Vermont and the ministry she did with the kids. Um, And uh, that's just going to further our ability to reach out to more people and uh, to keep this camp going. So that's our goal. Harry challenged us. He said, bring a friend uh, with you next year, Lord willing, if we're still here. you know, so we had about 50 of us here. We hope to multiply it into the 70s, the 80s. So please pray for that, because we want to take the burden off the conference and put it back to where it needs to be to keep it going for when Pastor Harry unfortunately does retire. But that's our goal. Amen. Is there anyone else? Yes. If you don't mind, I'll stay seated. Since cradle roll, I've heard this song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I have sung up front for Sabbath school, for church, for camp meeting, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I didn't know. I knew he loved you and you, and all the rest. But for years, I couldn't see that he loved me. I could see what my heart was like. I can see the rot and the filthy rags. And a year ago, I started joining on the prayer line came last year to the prayer retreat in the spring and last fall. And it was a miracle because we had not registered. And I called and I asked Kelly if there was any space. And there were some folks who had a tragedy 
and they had to cancel, and so there was space. And I got a little bit of a clue that Jesus loves me. And then through this last year and a half, I keep hearing, it's not about you, it's not about you. And I understand it's about Jesus. But Jesus wants us to know, even though it's not about us, in a way, yeah, it is, because we are how he is vindicated. And we had registered for the spring retreat and planned to be here. And my dad is living with us. My dad is in his 80s, or it's almost 81, and he has Alzheimer's. And I have been with my husband, his caregiver, since December of last year. And Dad had a crisis, and we were not able to come at the last minute to the spring retreat. And because I can't drive at night, and I'm the only one who can drive, We couldn't go to any of the weekend rallies. And yes, I am at at times able to go on the evening line on Thursdays, but I can't get there all the time. And in reading that book by Jones and Wagner, some things just don't make a lot of sense to someone who hasn't been able to study this the way some of you folks have. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I really want to go to the prayer retreat. And I'm not sure Bob does and has the health for it, but I know Dad doesn't. And I had tried to get respite for Dad last spring for October for the prayer retreat. Dad's a veteran and can go to Togas. And they said, sorry, folks, all booked up. And I had wanted to go to women's retreat and and the prayer retreat. And they said, nope, no way, no how, not going to happen. And we started with home health, and we started with hospice for Dad in September. And they gave us some clues on respite, too. And I thought, oh, good. Dad and go into respite, and I go to the women's retreat. And then they said, "Um, sorry, yes, meds have to be bubble wrapped per law, and if they're not, then you have to pay for his meds." And they gave me what the price would be for two days, and I couldn't afford to come to the retreat and get respite and pay for Dad's meds. So women's retreat was out, and the Lord showed me at that time, I've promised I will supply all your needs, and if I don't supply you, so then my prayer, yes, it's a very hard pill. So since women's retreat, my prayer with the prayer team and with my prayer partner has been, Lord, if I don't need, give me the grace to accept your answer that I don't need to come to the prayer retreat.
and hospice and rest tried they tried getting me respite and nobody has any openings in the nursing homes that they deal with and okay lord you have told me even though this is the only way and the only time i can come to a righteousness by faith rally and supply my need i don't need to and already registered for this fall because kelly said you weren't able to come in the spring and it wasn't your own fault we'll roll your funds over the tree and okay so we registered and then everybody was saying nope we don't have any place and okay and i shared with dad's hospice workers in the home health that i would like to come so that they could work on it but if not then that was because god said no i don't need and on tuesday of last week i got a call from togas the va here in maine and they said you still want hospice respite we have an opening i don't know how many of you know doran patillo i know you pastors do but doran was there doran pressed to relieve all the people from the unit and that opened for dad to go into respite so that we could come here I am learning day by day. Jesus loves me. This I know. And if you don't know that yet, I'd like to pray with you and for you. And I'd like you to keep praying for one another because there are many many people who have grown up in Christian homes, not just me. many of us who've been taught that song that we sing at christmas time for the children you better watch out cuz only we've been taught or i was taught a lot of us were taught that god's there looking not santa claus but god looking put his thumb down on you and there are many who don't know that Jesus loves them within our own ranks who need to know. I think I think maybe we should sing that song. I can't lead us on that but Jesus loves me this I know. profound truth Jesus loves me Would you come up
hold that and hold this too. Um, I too am so thankful to be here. I have been greatly blessed by the messages, by the working of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and by the friendship that you have all shown. And I want to thank Kelly for the invitation, for including me amongst those who were invited to come. And as I was sitting here, I was thinking, well, that's what I could say. But then you mentioned that we needed to pray how to study, how to keep our Christian experience, how to keep this righteousness by faith thing going. And and I thought back to probably three or four years ago when I was reading through Luke in one of my morning devotions. And I've had ups and downs in my Christian experience. And I I was reading in, if you have your Bible and want to turn to it, Luke 8, the story of the demoniac, the Gadarenes. And how it starts in... Um, Verse 26, I won't read it, but I'll just tell it. How when he, Jesus came to the shore and the demoniac came down. And then Jesus healed him. The demoniac wanted to go with Jesus. He didn't want to stay there. But Jesus said no. I want you to stay. I need you to stay and tell your story. And we know what happened after he did. When Jesus came back again, there was a big harvest. And I said, Lord, I don't have a story to tell. I grew up in the Adventist church, and I don't have any great big conversion story like some people do. And I said, I want a story to tell. And at that time, I was also reading through the Bible. So I prayed for a story to tell. And I also prayed, Lord, I need you to show me how to keep my Christian experience alive and vibrant, well and strong. So after I prayed that prayer, I turned to Exodus 17. That was my chapter for that day to read. I only had time to read one chapter. And if you'd like to turn to chapter 17, I'm using my new Bible, and I have my notes written in my old one, so I just sort of scribbled a little bit in here as the Lord laid on my heart to share. And I believe he gave this to me to share. If you look in Exodus 17, it takes, in verse 6, it takes you to the point where it said... um, God told Moses what to do to bring water. And he said, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And I thought, yes, we need to go to the rock. That's where we need to go. And then I read on a little farther, and it was down in verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. 
This is when he was fighting. They, they were fighting the Amalekites. And Joshua was heading up the battle. And Moses was standing on the mountain with Aaron and Hur. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And the thought came to me, we need to hold each other up. We need to support each other. We need to hold you up, each other up with love and prayer. And in 13, it says, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And in verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. And that just spoke to me. I need to write down what God does for me. And I need to share it with others. That was that day's reading chapter. And the next day I went on to 18. And in chapter 18, Jethro comes and brings Zipporah and Moses' two sons to the camp of the Israelites. And if you look at verse 8, it says, And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And I said, yes, we need to share. I know I mentioned it before, but we need to share what God has done for us and those we know with others. And that will encourage them. And that will make them want to know the God that we serve and that loves us so much. And then you go on to verse 9 and 10. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And then it goes on to say, And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So sharing with others brings conviction to them. And in sharing with others, what about the testimony of our word? It strengthens us too and those that we share with. And I was in tears by the time I finished that chapter. I said, Lord, you've answered both of my prayers. You showed me how to keep my relationship with you alive and vibrant. And you gave me a story to tell. Amen. Praise God. Praise Thank God. you. Amen. There's a fellow in the conference that I admire a lot, Carol Barnaby. He used to close every sermon with, God loves you and there's not a thing you can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I took that to heart. Now, if I were to write everything that God had done for me, you ask, how do you know God is talking to you? It would take me 62 years because I'm 62 years old. Uh, God has, I, I call it a two-by-four uh, doctrine, and that is he takes a two-by-four every now and then and hits me along the side of the head. But if anyone knows some of my stories, know that God has been very obvious in his leading to where there was no question. And I would just like to add a prayer. I, I close every sermon with the same prayer. And it's found in Psalms 139. And it, I say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And if they find any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. I forgot something. <laughs> when you look at verse 14 in chapter 17, he not only wants us to write it in a memorial book, but what happens if we don't write it down and read it again? We forget it. And the second part of what he said was rehearse it. So I just wanted to add that part. Thank you. Uh, you know, I testified earlier about how much I was blessed here this weekend, and many of you have said the same thing. Uh, Thursday night, uh, when we were getting started, I quoted one of my favorite quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy in Christ Object Lessons, page 146 or 7, somewhere along in there. Uh, God longs to have us expect great things from Him. Amen. He longs for us to reach out after Him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the face of the earth. Help me out here, you guys that are real preachers. Uh, searching for someone to show himself strong on their behalf. That's Greg's paraphrase. Uh, our being here, you know, that he longs for us to reach out after him by faith. Isn't that what we've talked about here this weekend, by faith? God's heart longing for his bride is for us to reach out after him by faith. Your heart has been blessed. My heart has been blessed. Our God's heart has been blessed this weekend. It makes me uh, think of something here. We've had, uh, we've been expressing our concern and our interest that uh, what we've experienced and, and enjoyed, um, that it continue. Um, but perhaps uh, that's still a taint of looking at things the wrong way. Um, perhaps we ought to be expressing our gratitude uh, in advance that God is going to make this continue. Um, I think about, you know, Greg came up and, uh, and right away I thought about you and your son and, and uh, 
Kelly and I and I forgot who else went to, was it North Carolina or South Carolina? North Carolina. Uh, what was it, a year and a half ago? To the coal. Yeah. Oh, you were there too. Oh, praise the Lord. And uh, this was a North American division called to prayer. And we were there for five days or something. And um, so you had leaders from all across the division. Uh, prayer coordinators, a few pastors, and some others. I've forgotten all who. But uh, how many were there? So not too much greater than our size here. But, but what uh, happened there was very similar to what we're enjoying here uh, with, with more, well, with an emphasis on revival and uh, more in the direction of prayer rather than righteous by faith, but it was mingling. But anyway, we, we prayed that it wouldn't stop. And guess what? This is an answer to that prayer. The Lord's been faithful. Do you suppose he intends to keep on being faithful? Amen. All right, so let's rejoice that this isn't going to stop here and that he's going to be with us wherever we go and that he will show himself mighty. Now, there was a sister back here. You had your hand up before. Are you going to come forward? And we'll take new ones here. I don't make, I cannot preach, so I'm not going to make it the long one. I think I, I, all I want to say, it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be here. And yeah, after all the laws and found, we got here last night. <laughs> but most of all, what I learned today is what we heard and everything will strengthen us. And I cannot preach or share the Bible, may not be yet. <laughs> but what I can do is those what I learned be penetrated in my heart. And my heart be transformed, transformed. So when I go back to work, where it's mostly secular or people who do not know God, will see Christ in me, and maybe they'll be anxious to learn about Him. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Jesus seen in us. Terry, you know we we uh, I've been blessed this weekend too. It's just amazing. And uh, my wife and I, I was a little anxious yesterday. She hadn't gotten here yet, so I walked out. I drove out to uh, the corner because I wanted to make sure they got here all right. The Lord had them covered all the, all the time. Um, you know, my father told me something, and my brother repeated it to me. He said, if you're praying for something that you know God wants in your life, and you know from reading the word that that's what God wants. Why can't you just believe that that's what he's doing? Amen. I just wanted to leave with that. Amen. Amen. Any others? Was well, it time to bring it to a close then?